0: I love this time of year. I love everything about Christmas. I really like being in Texas, where I don't have to worry about the snow. Uh, But uh, I really love this time of year. I love everything about the music. Uh, I love the food. I know I will gain 15 pounds this holiday. Uh, Ever since I've been back to Texas, I have put on weight, and I can't figure out where it's coming from unless it's Mexican food and brisket. I'm not for sure. But uh, anyway, I love this time of year, I love the food, I love the smells, I I love the music, I love the decorations, you know, I I just love this time of year. As it draws us, it draws us closer to one another, I think it draws us closer to the Lord. Uh, We're going to be looking at for the next five weeks the names of our Lord as revealed to us in the Word of God. I was reading something a while back, it said there's 700 titles or 700 names given to our Lord in the Bible. So if I was to preach every name of our Lord in the Bible, it would take me every day, uh, every day, it'd take me almost two years to preach on every name of our Lord in the Bible. Well, we're not going to talk about every name uh, in the Bible. Uh, We're not going to do that. What I want to do is I want to talk about the names that surround his birth. And so for the next five Sundays, we'll be looking at the names of Jesus and well, names of our Lord and the title, What's in a Name? And hopefully as we look at the names uh, around our Lord, our Lord, it'll explain the meaning of Christmas to us in a new way, in a different way. You know, the naming of a child is, is, is a very important time uh, for, for parents. I was named after both sets of grandparents. Uh, my grandfather's on my mother's side was Bruce Shaw, and my grandfather on my father's side was William Keith, so therefore Bruce Keith became my name. Uh, that's a little bit of trivia there. It won't get you into heaven, but it, it might uh, help you someday in your life. Uh, so you know where my name can. The, the naming of the giving of a name is significant. I was reading something a while back that that people that uh, children that are born with an unusual name have four times more possibility to be in delinquency, to be a juvenile delinquent, simply by the name. Uh, I read the story of a man who wanted to change his name and so he went for the judge to officially change his name and so the judge asked him, what's your name? He goes, William Stinks <laughs> and, the ju- <laughs> and the judge thought to himself, he goes, well I can see why the man wants to change his name and so the judge asked him, he said, and what do you want to change your name to? He goes Bill Stinks <laughs> Uh I don't think the guy quite got that. But so, a name is important. You know, so, so the, the naming of a child is extremely important. And why are there so many names for our Lord? Why are there so many names for our Saviors? because you cannot contain everything about our Lord in one name. Uh, he means so much. So, so when we examine all the names uh, of our Lord, we begin to understand a little bit more about Him and why He came. And the more familiar name to us is the name Jesus. That will be the name that we're going to look at this morning as we look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. We'll look at these words this morning under the heading, His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Matthew writes, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. We'll talk today about Jesus. Very simple message. Not very anything profound about what I'm about to say, but hopefully it will give a new meaning to Christmas this year as it's fast approaching. The first thing we need to see is the name of Jesus is a simple name. Nobody thought it was unusual that Joseph wanted the name his child Jesus. Nobody thought that was unusual, unlike the naming of John the Baptist, when everybody questioned, why are you naming your son John? You have nobody in your family named after John. He's not in your lineage. Nobody thought anything about that. Nobody uh, thought about it that with naming Jesus. Jesus was a very common name in those days. It was a simple name because he identified with simple people. Think about his parents, Mary and Joseph. There was nothing profound about them. Uh, they, simple, they were a simple Jewish family. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was engaged to Joseph. Very simple people. Think of the surroundings in which he found himself at the birth. Simple surroundings. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. Very simple surroundings. Think about the people that came to to greet people, Jesus, on that day. They were simple shepherds coming from the field. They came, simple people. Think about the people that Jesus called to be his first disciples. Simple people, just ordinary people. In fact, the people that listened to Jesus the most intently were the common people. The Bible says that the common people listened to Jesus... And they were amazed at what he said. Jesus is a simple name. The naming of Jesus was not simple. It was not something that was flippant. The naming of Jesus came from heaven. Turn over to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 31 real quick. I'll be able to screen for you, but you might want to follow along in your copy of God's Word. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And we see that whenever the angel came to Joseph in a dream, that he told Joseph the name, the child, Jesus. The name of Jesus was brought down from heaven. Only God understood the meaning of the birth of our Lord at that time. Neither Mary nor Joseph named the child. The name were originated in heaven. The name was ordained in heaven of how that child would be named. Nothing ordinary about this child. Uh, The name may have been simple, but there was nothing ordinary about this child. The Bible says that the baby was born to Mary who was a virgin. She had not been with a man. Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Bible says He will be called the Holy One. And then we look over in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 it says the Virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. Let me just digress for a moment. Can I just tell you that is biologically impossible. Impossible biologically impossible. I know today and in the field of medical science they can do amazing things with test tubes. I know that. But it is biologically impossible for a woman to have a child without the contribution of a male. You cannot do it. It's biologically impossible. But here we see it happening. When Jesus was born, the Bible says that he was born of the Virgin Mary. When Jesus was born, the male was taken out of the picture. There was no male contribution. The reason it happened is so that the Holy Spirit could touch the womb of Mary himself. That he could touch the womb and cause that to happen. So when Mary held the baby in her arms, can you imagine that? Holding, holding the creator of the universe, 21 inches long, in your arms... When Mary was holding the baby Jesus in her arm, he was the only child ever born who had an earthly mother but no earthly father. The only child ever born who had a heavenly father but no heavenly mother. Jesus was not an ordinary birth. I don't understand the virgin birth. Can I just tell you that right? Listen, you don't have to understand it to believe it. You don't have to understand it to believe it. The Bible says that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's a simple name, but it has an extraordinary origin. Not only is the name of Jesus a simple name, the name of Jesus is a significant name, even though it was simple. It doesn't mean it did not have significance. It was a, a common name, but it had significance for the people. As a matter of fact, the name of Jesus probably would instill feelings of national pride in the people. Every time the name was spoken, it would bring national pride to the individuals. It's a name that was well-respected. The first time we find this name mentioned in the Bible is Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, where it says, Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Joshua means God is salvation Joshua is the Hebrew name Jesus is the Greek name It's the exact same name All of a sudden it brings significance to that name We know that Joshua was a great conqueror We know that Moses was the great leader of the people of Israel Moses led them out of Egypt. He led them through the wilderness for 40 years. And he led them to the edge of the promised land. But Moses could not take them into the promised land. In order to do that, God gave another man, another leader, a man by the name of Joshua. And Joshua led them into the land of conquest. Joshua led them to the promised land. And he overcame... The people in that land, he conquered them. Even though his army was much smaller, he conquered the mighty armies in the promised land. Not only was he a, a great conqueror, but it says in the book of Joshua that he settled every family in the, precise, in the precise position where God had appointed them. Joshua was a great name. He was a conqueror. He was, a, the guy, he was a, their deliverer. He was the first to bear the name in the pages of history. So when they would hear this name, Jesus, Yeshua, they would remember with pride what God had done for the people in delivering them and by giving them the promised land. I think there's a story out of the Iraq War that will illustrate this truth. For some most of us know, know about the Iraq War that whenever we went to war with Iraq uh, to remove Saddam Hussein from power, the, uh, the Americans aligned themselves with the Kurds in the northern part of Iraq because they had been uh, abused and mistreated by Saddam Hussein. And I know this will not be politically correct, but Saddam Hussein used chemical weapons on the, the Kurds during his reign there. So they were not in love with Saddam Hussein. And so uh, they went to war, or went to battle to remove Saddam Hussein. And out of the caves of Iraq, a baby was born in the caves of Iraq. And the name given to that baby was George Bush. So somewhere in Iraq today, there's a teenager running around called George Bush Muhammad. When they asked the parents, why did you name that child that name? He said, because I want my people to remember the one who liberated us from Sodom and Sain. I didn't make this stuff up, folks. The name took on significance. However, eventually Joshua dies. And the people lose the promised land because of their sin, because of their rebellion, because of the disobedience... Centuries pass, and they lose the land. Because of the sin, God cast them into captivity in Babylon. But after 40 years, God decides, I'm going to do something with my people. In Zechariah chapter 3, we are introduced to another individual. This individual's name is Joshua, but he's known in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as Jeshua. Joshua. Ezra and Nehemiah, he appears in that as well. And his name is Jeshua. Jeshua was the high priest of Israel at the time. He was the one that was instrumental in rebuilding the temple. And he also restored the worship of God back to the people of of Israel. In Zechariah chapter 3, I just read it again this morning just to uh, to make sure I understood the story once again. Zechariah chapter 3 has a beautiful picture of this restoration that God brings to the people of Israel. In, in the story, uh, the vision is cast of Satan standing before God and Satan is accusing the high priest He's accusing the high priest, and ultimately what Satan is doing, Satan is attacking the people's relationship with God. Why? He said, they must not be in a relationship with God because they're living in exile, which is evidence of their sin, and so Satan is attacking the people of God in the presence of God. Listen, folks, Satan never misses an opportunity to accuse us. Never. He's constantly throwing out accusations against us. And and the scripture says that God told Satan to be quiet. To be quiet. And he says this, Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? And what God was saying is that the Jewish people... The Jewish people are being restored, the Jewish people are being recalled from captivity, they're being recalled from Babylon, they're gonna be placed back into the Holy Land, they're gonna be placed back into Jerusalem, and this man, this man will be the one that will lead them. This man will be the one that restores their relationship with me. This man will be the one that restores the temple. This man will be the one that restores their worship. And at that moment the rags that Yeshua was wearing were replaced by priestly garments and he was given a a gold turban to wear upon his head and later on in Zechariah chapter 3 we see that Yeshua was simply a forerunner to a greater high priest who would come you didn't know all that was in there did you it was there Yeshua Yeshua and so the Jewish people they would hear that name, Jesus. Maybe he'll be the one that restore the promised land to us. Yeshua. Maybe he'll be the one that will restore worship. Maybe he'll be the one that restores our intimacy, our relationship with God once again. Every time they heard the name Jesus. Jesus. It's a simple name, Jesus. It's a significant name, Jesus. But there's one more truth about this name. The name of Jesus is a saving name. The angel said, give him the name of Jesus. And then he added in verse 21, because he will save his people from their sins, give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins, the Bible says that Jesus would be the savior of the world. He would save people from their their sins. He wouldn't restore the people to the land. He wouldn't establish a new religion. He would save people from their sins. And listen folks, we are all sinners. Every one of us. We are sinners by nature and we are sinners by choice. That's who we are as individuals. That is the greatest problem we all struggle with. It's our sin nature and our sin behavior. Every one of us are sinners, say either saved by grace or not saved by grace. Every one of us People ask, what are you going to do with your sins? What are you going to do with your sins? Do you have an answer to that question? Do you have an answer to that question, what you're going to do with your sins? Because it's our sins which tie us to the Christmas story. It's our sins that tie us to what Jesus came to do at Bethlehem. The first link of your life and my life to the Christmas story is our sins. It's not our goodness it's our badness. It's not our merit. It's our misery. It's not our spiritual riches. It's our spiritual rags. The whole message of Christmas is that you and I are sinners and in need of a Savior. That's the whole message. That's why 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says, He appeared so that he might take away our sins. Listen, Jesus did not come to give you warm fuzzies. Jesus did not come to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. He came to save you from your sins. That's why he came. For no other purpose but to save us from our sins and restore that broken relationship that we had with the holy God. If we don't tie the cross We don't tie the cross to the cradle. We miss the point of Christmas. We miss the whole point. The birth of Jesus is all about him dying on the cross for our sins. If there's anything that showed the hatred of this world for God, it's the way they treated Jesus on this earth. They hated him. When he was born, the the state... The 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 state Herod representing the state the state tried to kill it the state doesn't that sound familiar today what is the state trying to do to Jesus they're trying to kill him they're trying to remove all evidence of Jesus in the public square I was just listening to a guy preach this day did you know that in the Bible times that the state the state is under the sovereign control of God. It's not the other way around, that the state controls God. It says, no, God controls the state. Go back and look at it. In the Bible. That's another sermon for another day, and I almost preached it, but I'm not now. They hated him. The religious leaders despised Jesus. They hated Jesus. Why? Because he was cramping their style. He, he was... He, he was telling them, get rid of your traditions get rid of your rituals get rid of all these things over here that hinder you and get right with God through an intimate relationship with him he wanted to remove all the, the vestiges of a religion and restore people to a relationship with Jesus with God through him the people had a problem with Jesus there was a time when their lips offered praise to him, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Hosanna! But it wasn't five days later, those same lips were saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! The hatred of the world for the, love, for the Lord was more pronounced at any other time than when Jesus walked upon this earth. The people had a problem with Jesus. If you want to have a problem in society today, tell them that Jesus is a savior. If you really want to have a problem in the world today, tell them that Jesus is the only Savior. See, people don't want to hear that message. Uh, they don't want to hear that. You see, people want to pick and choose like it's a cafeteria line you get to go through I'll take a little of that oh I don't want that i take a little of that that you could pick it they say we could have a little bit of Islam we could have a little bit of Hindu we can have a little Buddhism a little new age movement a little secularism a little humanism that's okay however you want to be saved that's okay that's what the world wants they want a, re- a religion that they create of themselves instead of experiencing a relationship with the holy God that's what they want Listen, God is the one who created this world. He makes the rules, not us. And if he says the only way you're going to have a relationship with him is through Jesus Christ, guess what? We don't have the authority. We don't have the power to change the rules. We just don't have it. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, There is no other name under heaven given to men by which he must be saved. Did you hear that? No other name, nor the name that's given to man by which you may be saved. What is that name? It's Jesus. The name of Jesus. That's what Jesus will do for you this morning. Jesus will save you. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What is his name? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he will save you today if you will put your faith in him. That babe of Bethlehem became the Christ of Calvary. And listen, the Christ of Calvary is coming again someday. Someday he's going to come and he'll be a judge. And he will judge us because all power has been given to him. And he will judge us whether we believe him or do not believe him we will be judged and there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus is lord that's what the name jesus means so when we think about christmas this year and we think of that little baby lying in the manger do this for me picture the baby lying there when you look at a little manger scene this one or whatever And can just envision a shadow of a cross over that baby. Jesus came to die. But he came to die for you. Because he loves you so much. You know, one of my favorite verses, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore now, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Have you come to a point in your life where you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? This morning, we want to give you an opportunity to respond. We want to give you an opportunity to respond and accept the Christ of Christmas as the Christ of Calvary. Maybe some of you have been religious your entire life. You could be like my son. He was born on a Monday. He was in church on Sunday. been in church his entire life. You had your name on the cradle row. I'm not interested if your name's on the cradle row. You know, matter of fact, I'm not even interested if your name is on the church row. I want to know if your name is written in heaven. Church will not save you. It will not do it. The only thing that saves you is a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to save your life. Some of you might, for the very first time, said, I need Jesus as my Savior. We want to give you an opportunity to respond. Others of you said, I think I know pretty much everyone here, but maybe you need a church home. Said, man, I need a church home, a place where I can be a part. We want to invite you to be a part of this church. Maybe others said, just recommit your life. You know, sometimes just recommitting just means, yeah, you know, I want to reaffirm that, that, that my faith is real. I want to reaffirm and just, yeah, you know, I'm going to make every effort I can to be a follower of Jesus. Some of you might need to do that. I'm going to have Kip's going to come lead us. Marilyn's going to come and play. Give you an opportunity to respond. Would you stand with me? Josh's going to come up. Marcia to make her way down. We're here for you. We're not here to uh, talk about you. We're here to talk with you. We're here to pray with you if maybe you need some help in that area. Maybe you need Jesus, Lord and Savior. We can tell you what you need to do to respond to that.